have that mic uh, that stand down here. Is that all right with you? I'm going to get close to everybody. I see all these kids have come in here. I'm thrilled to see you. I'm just curious, how many of you are here for the first time? Anybody here for the very first time? Wave at me. First time at this church? That's good. Uh, you picked the right Sunday. Not because I'm preaching, because it's homemade cookie Sunday. That's good. How many of you think the visiting preacher ought to get at least one homemade cookie? Let's vote on it. I like this group right here. That's good. And uh, we've had a great morning, great time together, and uh, hope you got a little lunch. How many of you normally take a Sunday nap? Would you raise your hand, please? Anybody normally take a Sunday nap? Yeah. Well, don't do it while I'm preaching, all right? Try to wait till after that, if at all possible. Uh, we've enjoyed being with your church family today and just excited about what God is doing here to use your church to get the gospel out. And uh, I'm praying with you that the greatest days are the days ahead. And uh, trusting God to do that. I'm going to preach this afternoon a one-word sermon. How many of you would like to hear a one-word sermon? Some of you said, praise God. We were waiting on one of those for a long time. But don't get too excited. It's going to take me a few minutes to explain the word. I want you to open your Bible, if you have a copy of the word of God there with you, back in the Old Testament again, to the last chapter in the book of Exodus. Would you do that? Exodus chapter number 40. Uh, Moses, of course, wrote these opening books of our Old Testament. Genesis is the book of beginnings. Tells us where it all started. Everything started in Genesis except for God because God has no beginning. He's the everlasting God. He's always been. He will always be. Then you come to the second book of the Bible, which is the book of Exodus. And Exodus is fascinating. In fact, it's, a, it's an exciting book. If anybody tells you the Bible is boring, they have never read the Bible. Exodus is a very exciting book because Exodus is all about God's redemption of his people. Making a way of salvation. Look, the children of Israel, they were in bondage. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And God sent the plagues and brought them out with great power. It's a picture of what God does in every one of our lives when we trust him. Now, when you come to the last chapter of Exodus, Exodus chapter number 40, we're kind of coming full circle. Many of you were here all Lord's Day. And we started here in the Bible study hour, not this passage, but this thought. We're coming full circle at the end of Exodus chapter 40, back to the tabernacle. This was the first meeting place. Before we read, look, look at me in the eye, would you please? You are sitting today, not in the tabernacle, not in the temple. You're sitting in a meeting place for a local New Testament church. We don't just come to hear a guy like me. We don't just come to sing a few songs. We come because we want to study the Bible and we want God to speak to us. We come to meet with God. The children of Israel, they had a similar type situation, a little different. But the tabernacle was where God's presence would come in the Old Testament and God would speak to his people. And it's also where they would come to offer their prayers. So I love this. God's talking to them and they're talking to God. Look here just a second. Now God speaks to us through his word and we speak to God through prayer. So it's very similar, different time, different people, different place, but very similar because God wants you to hear from him and God wants to hear from you. So we come to the meeting place. Look at Exodus chapter 40 and verse number 33. He, that's Moses, reared at the court, round about the tabernacle and the altar, set up the hangings of the court gate, so Moses finished the work. Then a cloud. How many of you like clouds? I was flying the other day, and 
man, it was an overcast day, and we got, got up a little bit, climbing, climbing, and the thing started shaking a little bit, you know, the turbulence, and then boom, we came out of the clouds, and when we came out of the cloud cover, we were just above the clouds. It was overcast down here. Up there, sun was shining, and I looked up, and it was literally like a, an ocean of clouds. It was like you could have walked on it as far as the eye could see. This is not just any cloud. This is not a rain cloud. This cloud was God's glory cloud. It was the visible representation of God's presence with his people. And the Bible says a cloud covered the tent of the congregation and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. How full was it? Well, look at verse 35. And Moses was not able to enter into the tent of the congregation because the glory, because the cloud abode there on and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Imagine God came so powerfully into that tent, Moses could not walk in the tent. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So much God, there was not room for any man, not even Moses. And the people are watching all of this. Look, please, at verse number 36. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not to the day that it was taken up, for the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night. In the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their... What's the last word of the book, church? Remember I said to you earlier today, Numbers is the book of the journey. It describes the 40-year wilderness wanderings, the journeys of the children of Israel. I wish I had a map. I wish I had a map up here right now to show you their journeys. You'd think it was crazy. You'd think, man, those people lost their minds. They literally walked around in circles for 40 years, crisscrossing themselves. And why? Because 40 years, God said, you're going to wander in the wilderness before I take you into the promised land. So they're, they're crisscrossing line over line. And I, I can just hear the, the conversation. Haven't we passed this way before? Doesn't that tree look a little familiar? Uh, didn't, didn't we bury Grandma over there in that area? Yes, yes, yes. Because they're just journeying, you see. But the one thing that led them was God's presence. And looking in the faces of all these young men and young women, I'm going to tell you something. God's got something special for your life. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is yet. But God does. And somebody's going to try to make you be what they want you to be. Or maybe you think you're going to make yourself into what you want to be. I'm going to tell you, what God has planned for you is much better than any of that. And when you let God lead your life, you always end up at the right place. See, the Lord wants to work in your life along the journey of life so that the destination is what it's supposed to be. So that you really come to know God. It's not about what you become. It's about you knowing God. It's not about what you can do. It's about what God can do with your life. And he does it as you let him lead your life every day. So we come to our word. We read a lot of words, and they're all God's word because they're in the Bible. But here's the word. Verse number 36. I'm going to read it again. When I stop, I want you to say the next word as loud as you can. You got it? Put your eyes on it. Exodus chapter 40, verse 36. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went what? That's the word. Would you mark it in your Bible? Onward. What does onward mean? <laughs> Look here just a minute. Onward means I'm here and I'm going forward. Anybody know the name Hudson Taylor? 
Hudson Taylor, you do? Hudson Taylor was a famous missionary. Hudson Taylor started the China Inland Mission. He had a burden for China. He went to China. And when he got there, all of the missionaries were all in the same place. They were all on the coast. They were all right along the ocean. Not because they loved the ocean, but because they were scared to death to go inland. They said, those people are too vicious. They're too brutal. And they, they said to Hudson Taylor, you better stay out here on the coast where we are. And Hudson Taylor said, no, everybody needs to know who Jesus is. Everybody needs to hear the gospel. And so I am going inland. And he started the China Inland Mission. Yes. He had a little phrase he would say all the time. I love this. Hudson Taylor said this, God is always advancing. Amen. <laughs> Let me tell you about my God. My God's always on the move. Yes. He's always moving forward. He's always building his church. The question is not whether God is moving forward. The question is, are you going to move forward with him? Or are you going to stay stuck where you are right now? Satan says, go back. You can't live for Jesus. Go back. That's what Satan says. Self says, stay where you are. You've come far enough. Sin says, turn aside. Scripture says... Go forward. Let's use the Bible word. What's the word, church? Onward. Say it again. What's the word? Say it again. Say it like you mean it. What's the word? If next week the preacher says, what was the preacher's word last week? You're going to say, if I call your house 3 o'clock in the morning and say, what's the word? You're going to say, no, you're not either. One word. You know what I'm doing? I'm brainwashing you right now. But it's okay. It's, it's a good brainwashing. It's the washing of the water of the word of God. You forget my name, forget my sermon, forget most of what I say, but don't you forget this word. Look, please. God didn't want you stuck in your past. God didn't want you living in something that happened to you yesterday or something you did before. God wants you to move forward with Jesus Christ. God wants you to go onward. I know what the will of God is for your life. So you know the will? Yes, onward. I know what the will of God is for this church. Great heritage, great history. Praise God. Go onward. There's a place to start. That's right where you are. But there's no place to stop until you see Jesus Christ face to face. Onward. Let me give you a few thoughts. May I give them to you quickly? Number one, we must go onward in holiness. Did you know that's what the context of this passage is? They're dedicating the tabernacle. They're dedicating the high priest. They're dedicating all the clothes the high priest would wear. I wish you had time to walk you through it and, and let you mark all the place where it says holy, 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 holy. You know who God is? Let me tell you who God is. Our God is a holy God. In fact, the Bible says that the angel choirs in heaven sing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You ever wonder why three holies? Holy is God the Father. Holy is God the Son. Holy is the Holy Spirit. Our God's the thrice holy God. He always has been holy. He's holy today. And he always will be holy. You know what God wants for us? He wants us to come to the place where his holiness starts to be developed in our lives. Hebrews says we become partakers of his holiness. Let me tell you what I don't mean. Can I tell you what I don't mean? I don't mean by this. That somehow you reach the state of sinless perfection and you never do anything wrong because we're all just a bunch of sinners. I don't mean by this that it's the best you can do. I mean by this that you get so close to God and Jesus gets so big in your life that he starts kicking out of your life the things that shouldn't be there and putting into your life the things that should be there. You can't do that on your own, but Jesus will do that inside of you. Onward in holiness. More like Jesus, 
More of what God created you to become. More of the man He wants you to be. More of the lady He saved you to become. Onward in holiness. Turn back one page in your Bible. Just one page. Look at Exodus 39 and verse 30. There's a little phrase that's all capital letters. Do you see it? All caps. Look at it, please. They made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold, wrote upon a writing like to the engravings of a signet, and here's the phrase. Would you circle it in your Bible? Holiness to the Lord. Now, wait a minute. We know all holiness comes from the Lord. Isn't that right? Paul said this. You know who Paul is? Greatest Christian that ever lived. Paul said, in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. So what's that mean? It means, look up here. You can give a guy a suit, give him a Bible, and let him stand up and preach. But that doesn't make him any better than anybody else. We are all sinners who need the mercy of Jesus Christ. So if there's any good thing in me, it must be Jesus. and can't be me. Watch this. We know holiness comes from the Lord. Oh, I love this. But now, look at the verse. How many of you think words matter? Yes? Do words mean something? Excuse me, kids are using a dirty word in church. That's a preposition, but even the preposition means something. Look at it, please. It doesn't say holiness from the Lord. It says holiness what? To the Lord. Watch this, please. God puts his holy mercy and grace in our life. And what should that do? That should go back to him a life of holiness. Onward in holiness. The second thing, write this one down. Onward in obedience. These things are all connected. You want to be a more holy person? Then you must obey what God says to do. I'll prove it to you. There's a phrase. I marked it in my Bible. I want you to mark it in yours. Uh, verse 1 says, The Lord spake to Moses. How many of you would like God to speak to you? Yes? All right. Look at verse 16. Thus did Moses. According to all that the Lord commanded him, so did he. We got too many hearers and not enough doers. Everybody wants to hear God. Nobody wants to do what God says. Let me ask you a personal question. Is there anything God's told you to do that you've not yet done? That's where you start. You want to see God work in your life? Start right where you are. Obey God right where you are. Whatever God says, do it and do it immediately. Do it and do all of it. Somebody say, well, I'm going to do most of it. No, no. The word all. Matter of fact, later in the chapter, we read it a while ago. He finished the work. Do everything that God tells you to do. Nothing more and nothing less than the will of God for your life. That's the only way to go. What's our word? Onward. Onward in obedience. Now here's the phrase I want you to mark. Look at the end of verse number 19. Would you mark this? As the Lord commanded Moses. Look at the end of verse 21. As the Lord commanded Moses. Look at verse 23. As the Lord commanded Moses. Uh, look at verse 25. As the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 27. As the Lord commanded Moses. End of verse 29. As the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 32. As the Lord commanded Moses. Anybody getting the picture here? Seven times God says the same thing. Moses just did what God told him to do. Amen. And if you're going to follow Jesus, it's a life of obedience to Christ. Yes. Let me give you a third one. Oh, onward in holiness, onward in obedience. Number three, onward in his presence. What does that mean? It means living every day, talking to God, letting God talk to you. Would you mark in verse 34, the glory of God came and the glory of God filled the place. It repeats it at the end of verse 35. He filled the tabernacle. This is interesting. You don't know how to go forward? 
pause every day and talk to God. Isn't that interesting? We go forward on our knees. You want to go onward? Stop right where you are. Just stop right where you are and acknowledge the holy presence of God and spend some time with Him. And as you talk to God and as God speaks to you through His Word and as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, watch please, God will lead you onward. You go forward as you grow forward. I was actually studying this word onward. It's an old English word. We don't use it much anymore. We say, let's go on, right? We just shorten it to on. But in old English language, they say onward. There's a little phrase, maybe you've heard it. People sometimes say, let's see if you've heard it. Onward and, anybody know the next word? Upward. That's right. Somebody said it. Onward and upward. And I learned something. Did you know in old English that the word onward literally implied upward? In other words, to go forward was to go up. Watch, watch this, please. When you follow Jesus, it's always an upward step. Sin takes you down. Jesus takes you up. Set your affection on things above, not on things below. It's, it's the ever-ascending life. We're going into the presence of God. Hey, look, when you get saved, Jesus comes to live in your heart. And as you follow Jesus every day and you go onward, you go further, upward, upward into the presence of God until someday you leave this world and go to heaven to be in the presence of Almighty God for all eternity. You know you can't beat being a Christian. He comes to live with you now and you get to go live with Him forever. That's a pretty good deal right there. Onward. In the presence of Almighty God. Every day, pause and just talk to the Lord. Get to know God. He's not some far off God. He's near. He's here. Get to know Him. See, this was always God's way. Do you remember when God first brought Israel out of Egypt? Do you know what He had them do? First He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And then He said, go forward. It's always that order. Stand still, go forward. You want to move forward for Jesus? You want to take the next step? You must learn to live every day in his presence. Onward. Onward in holiness. Onward in obedience. Onward in his presence. I'll give you one more and stop. Number four. Onward in his guidance. Because God's leading them. Notice verse 36 and verse 37. Verse 38 talks about their journeys. They journeyed. Their journeys... And day and night, at the starts and the stops, God was leading them at every stage on their journey. I was thinking about this earlier. I love this. Exodus is an amazing book, but you know what it ends with? Hope. Hope. Lift your head and look at me. I'm talking to young and old, male and female. People have been here a long time and people here for the first time. I want to tell you, on the authority of the Word of God today, God has something for your future. And the future is always bright if you're following Jesus. Because you're moving onward in his guidance. Look, please. You're along for the ride. He's steering. You don't have to chart your course. You don't have to make your own way. No, no. You just yield yourself to Jesus and he leads you. What's our word, church? Onward. If anybody ever tells you that peer pressure stops, when you're 18, they're lying to you. Years ago, I went bungee jumping. Anybody ever been bungee jumping before? A couple of other maniacs among us here today, all right? And uh, uh, some friends talked me into it. I was a grown man. And some friends talked me into it. I was in Gatlinburg, near that big bungee, you know, you can see it from the parkway there. And it doesn't look very high until you walk up it, you know? And I remember I was nervous. 
And they suit you up, put a harness on you, and, and they weigh you before you're allowed to jump. There's a weight limit on it. At the time, I weighed considerably more than I do right now. And I'll never forget, I harnessed up and I stepped up on those scales and the scale went, literally there's a sign in front of you that tells you how much you can weigh. The sign went one pound over the stated limit. There's a teenage boy and I said to him, I guess I can't jump. And he said, oh, those scales are broken. You'll be all right, man. <laughs> Teenagers don't care if you live or die, you know. And so I, I, I took my march of death up that staircase all the way to the top. I was really nervous. I got to the top and had two buddies with me. They were older than me. First guy, he's a lunatic. He did a somersault off of the platform. He's spinning in the air. People are whistling, clapping. I thought, I am not doing that. And my next buddy got called. He was scared too. And I still remember, he scooted up there and he tried to talk his way back. Tried to talk his way off of it. And there's another teenager up, up top. And uh, i never forget it. And my friend Larry said, I got six kids at home and they really need a daddy. He said, hurry up and jump. There's people waiting on you. And my friend jumped. And then I heard those fateful words, it's your turn. And I scooted up to the end of it, looked down and thought, Paulie, this is the dumbest thing you've ever done in your life. Somebody said, what'd you do? I grabbed that thing and screamed like a woman all the way down. That's what I did. No, no, let me tell you what I did. Everybody look here just a second. Stay with me a second. I took one step. Now granted, it was a big one. That's the kind you don't come back from, you know. But I, I took one step and suddenly I was over. And once I took that first step, it was exhilarating. It was thrilling. It was wonderful. I thought, I could do this again. And then I got to the bottom and they unhooked me and I rolled off that big balloon you land in. And I had to take another step and another and another and another. I mean, that big step was good, but that wasn't the last step I ever took. Now, when you get out of bed in the morning, you don't take one step and say, well, I got that done today. Go back to bed. You may do that some mornings, but you can't do that every day. You're going to take another and another and another and another. You say, why are you telling us that, preacher? Because I'm going to ask everybody in this room to do one of two things today. I'm going to ask you to either take the first step or to take the next step. That's what everybody in this room needs to do. Some of you need to take the first step. Some of you are like me 42 years ago. I was just a boy. I was in a meeting like this, and they started talking about Jesus, and I didn't know Jesus is my Savior. I didn't, even, I didn't even realize I needed Jesus as my Savior. And that was the day. I got it. I understood. I was a sinner and I couldn't save myself. And I finally understood that Jesus died for me and rose from the dead for me. It was like a light bulb came on. And I thought, that's what I need. I need Jesus. And that day, I asked a woman, I said, tell me more about it. And she explained it to me. And that day, I asked Jesus to be my Savior. You know what I did? I took the first step. It's a big step. It's a great step. Wonderful step. Greatest step I've ever taken in my life. But it wasn't the end. That was just the beginning. Some of you need to finally settle to take the first step. Had a lady this morning did that. Praise God for it. But now wait a minute. Some of us have been saved for a while. And you say, well, I know I've been saved. Good. Have you taken the next step? Have you followed Jesus in baptism since you were saved and let everybody know that you're a Christian? Or do you read the Bible and let God speak to you? Have you learned to pray? Do you attend church faithfully? Do you ever tell your friends about Jesus? Do you, do you talk about God to those you love and, and to try to bring other people to Jesus? What's the next step for you? I can't tell you. I don't know. That's between you and God, not you and me. But I know this. Once you've taken the first step, it's time to take the next and the next and the next until someday you take the final step and step into the presence of God forever. Someday the journey will be done and the destination is going to be amazing. But until then... 
Every one of us need to go. What's our word? Onward. Onward. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me all over the room for just a moment? I'd like you to sit real still for a second. Just hold your place. Keep your eyes closed really tight. And I want to ask a couple questions. How many of you know that you've taken the first step and you've asked the Lord Jesus to come into your life and be your Savior? And you say, Preacher, I know Jesus is my Savior and I'm going to heaven someday because I belong to the Lord. I know that has happened in my life. I want you to raise your hand as high in there as you can get it. Keep it up just a minute. You say, I know that. Well, with your hand raised up to heaven, would you just thank the Lord for that right now? Just quietly from your heart say to Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for leading me to take that first step. You may lower your hands. May I ask this question with nobody looking but me? Is there anybody here today that would say, Brother Scott, preacher, I've never taken the first step. I've never asked Jesus to come into my life and be my Savior and give me his salvation. Brother Scott, I, I don't have a relationship with God like that. But I want that. Pray for me that God will help me to take the first step. No one's looking but me. Would you raise your hand with mine just a moment? You say, that's me, Brother Scott. I've never taken the first step, but I want to. If you just raised your hand, would you sit up and look me in the eye just for a second? I want to tell you something. Look at me. God loves you. And Jesus wants to be your Savior. Do you believe that? I was about your age when I asked Jesus to come into my heart. That's right. And he changed my heart. Now look at me just a minute if you raised your hand. I want to tell you something. Today could be the day that Jesus comes to live in your life. Is that what you want? Here's what I want to do. I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't, I won't embarrass you. You see that man sitting right there right now? He's got a Bible in his hand, the love of God in his heart. I want you to go with him for just a minute and let him show you from the Bible how you can have your sins forgiven and know Jesus. Will you slip out with him right now? Just get up from your seat, follow him. You go right out in the hallway and he'll, let him show you from the Bible how you can know Jesus as your Savior. That's wonderful. And anybody else that says, you know, I'm not a Christian, but I really want to be a Christian and I want to know more about knowing Jesus, just quietly slip to the back of this room and let somebody sit down with the Bible and answer your questions and show you how you can have your sins forgiven. That's so very good. Now, I want to speak to every person in the room that's a Christian. You say you know the Lord. You say you've taken the first step. Great. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the journey. Well, I have two questions. Here's the first. How many men and women and young people in this room would say, Brother Scott, I've taken the first step with Jesus, but I know what my next step is, and I have not yet taken it. I know what it is. The Holy Spirit has convicted me of it. Brought it to my mind. I'm not going to ask you to tell me what it is. But you say, I know what it is. And if God will help me, I want to commit to God today that I'll take the next step. You say, that's me. Pray for me. I want you to raise your hand in the air with mine right now. Would you please? That's wonderful. I'm going to ask you to tell God that right where you sit right now. Just tell the Lord that right where you sit. And then I'm going to ask you to tell someone else today who can help you take that step. Be specific with the Lord, would you? I have one final question, and we'll have our dedication prayer. I'm already standing. I'm standing not just because I'm preaching. I'm standing because I want to be the first 
to respond to the invitation. I wonder how many saved people are here today. Some of you have been saved a long time. Would say, preacher, if God will help me, I don't want to die before I die. I want to keep taking the next step and following Jesus and letting God lead. And preacher, today, I'm just going to ask the Lord to help me keep moving forward and keep going onward until I see Jesus face to face. You say, preacher, I'll, I'll make that public commitment to Christ and make that my prayer today. Would you raise your hand in the air with mine right now? If you mean it, will you stand to your feet right where you are? It's a public testimony to that. You say, by God's grace, I want onward to be my watchword. I want onward to be the testimony of my life. I want onward to be the story of my walk with Jesus. Now standing right now in God's presence with our heads and hearts bowed before the Lord, would you just tell the Lord that? I'm going to pray for you. But you talk to God for a moment. From your heart, in your own words, just say, Lord, help me to move forward, to not get stuck in the past, to not get satisfied with the present, but to be hungry to follow God all the days of my life. Tell him. Often in invitation, we ask people to come and kneel. We did a lot of that this morning. But you know in Scripture so often they stood as if in the presence of the king, a thrice holy God, would you pray right now, Lord, make me a more holy follower of Jesus. Make me holy, Lord. Lord, help me obey you. Tell him you'll do that. Lord, help me live in your presence and follow your guidance every day. And while I close the prayer, could I ask all the members of this church to do something? Would you pray right now for your pastor and for this church? Would you pray this verse, this word for your church? Would you pray God lead this church forward? I love the gospel passion God's put in your pastor's heart. Let's pray it continues. Let's pray more people get on board with it. And that this church will go onward for Jesus. Father, I pray right now for every individual Christian in this room that we will all have a spirit of, of willingness and openness and yieldedness and obedience to you. Show us the next step and help us take it for the glory of God. Father, I pray right now for this church. Put a hedge around it. Keep the devil out. Flesh out, the world out. Touch this faithful pastor. Help him. Help his wife. Help their children. Strengthen him for this good work, Lord. Help this church family. Build them up. Father, this church has been a gospel lighthouse here for a long time. But I'd like to pray that the most fruitful season this church has ever known will be the days ahead. Father, help them go onward to reach everybody they can with the gospel. And Father, help us keep taking the next step until the journey's done. And I praise you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.